Hello and welcome to a panel discussion episode of The Grand Geekery, where I, Tyler, talk to amazing guests about certain subjects regarding news, rumors, opinions, awareness, or just how-tos and what-ifs and everything else about the geek community. This is a way for us to kind of show you what a panel is like when we are conless, and since we're conless and we're today we're actually going to be talking about what happens when we can't do the things that we love and see the people we love and experience the things that we love and how do you substitute that during these times today this ever-growing discussion of coming together and geeking out is just so big and today we're going to be talking about virtual events and i have an amazing group of people with me today hannibal taboo who i always love having on and talking to uh, the head comic reviewer of Bleeding Cool, Moni Barrett, who is the co-creator of Creators Assemble, which is a fantastic group, and uh, oh, I can't wait to hear more about him. Kayla Malari, who is the CEO of the Core Dance Crew, who, you, if you know our stuff and listen to our stuff, you should know who they are. We have Malcolm Trotter, a gentleman game master, and our very own Jeremy Sampson from Grand History Lesson, but also D20 Adventure Realm. How are you guys doing? How was your quarantine? Madness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Madness, <laughs> yes. Is everyone still doing it? Because you go out on the roads and there's just, there's everyone's out. Like, nothing's that happening. Just, yeah. That doesn't seem like it. Yeah, but yeah. Everyone on Twitter is still at home. Everyone on Instagram is out. Yeah. I haven't yes. left my place in two and a half months. And yeah, it's, I've just... <laughs> This has been scary, but um, perfect. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more about yourselves, and we'll go through via that list right there. So Hannibal, tell us a little bit more about you. Sure thing. I am uh, Hannibal Taboo. I'm the head comics reviewer at BleedingCool.com, one of the most hated sites in comics, yet everybody keeps reading it. Um, <laughs> I'm also, uh, I worked at Comic Book Resources uh, for what feel, I think it was 16 years doing reviews and uh, articles there. I won the 2012 Top Cow Talent Hunt. I was named cultural trailblazer in 2019 by the city of los angeles department of cultural affairs uh i have a weekly webcomic called wildfire wednesday on operative.net and i'm oh uh, the writer of time Corps for wonderman comics and i also drink very heavily in the day don't we all quarantine yeah. <laughs> cheers to that hannibal is the most not busy person i know i'm just kidding you're the most busy person <laughs> Alrighty. And uh, uh, Moni, uh, so tell us a little bit more about you. So I am the co-creator, as you mentioned, of Creators Assemble. And in that iteration, we're only about six months old. We're a not-for-profit. And we are dedicated to two things, which is promoting literacy in libraries and schools, classrooms, um, through the use of comics and graphic novels. And the other thing that we are into is promoting up-and-coming creators, both writers and illustrators, or anybody who wants to work in the comics industry. Um, basically, because we're librarians and teachers, we find resources to help them do so. But I come at this from the perspective of I am on the board for the American Library Association's first graphic novel and comics roundtable. So that's one of the things I do. I've been a comics librarian um, for the last five years or so. I've worked a lot with San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con. I do a lot of paneling on how to use this stuff in your classrooms and your libraries. So That's so awesome. All right. Thanks. And uh, Kayla, tell us a little bit more about the Core Dance Crew and about you. Uh, yes. Hello. My name is Kayla. I am the current CEO and one of the co-founders for the Core Dance Crew. We're a professional dance company that brings cosplay video games and anime to life on stage. We've performed at San Diego Comic-Con, WonderCon, Anime Expo, and all of the conventions in between. I myself am a <laughs> professional dancer. I've been dancing for 
27 years. Uh, I do dance in the LA industry. I've done Nickelodeon and Disney. I work at Disney right now. I've choreographed at Knott's Berry Farm for Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Mm-hmm. So, and there we have credits all across our board, including Cirque du Soleil, uh, Broadway performers, and America's Best Dance Crew. So, yeah. That's awesome. All righty. And uh, Malcolm, tell us a little bit more about uh, Gentleman Game Master. Yes, yes. Uh, I've been dungeon mastering and, and playing board games all my life. Pre-COVID, I was doing, uh, running actually live events that were, um, before this is like before D&D, being a, a geek that also loved cars, was running an event called the Run Rally, which was taking gamification and creating immersive storytelling events with car lovers. And with COVID, I wasn't able to do it for a while. And at the same time, around November of last year, I started a meetup group. Uh, for Dungeons and Dragons for people to meet. And then, you know, with COVID transferred that online because I just love narrative storytelling. Um, and so that's what I put together right now and just kind of a way to bring people together and have a Instagram gentleman game master. Uh, the, the meetup group is called the D&D Experience Point. Um, and I also, you know, post everything. We, we share our events online through YouTube and, and Twitch and so forth. Absolutely. So, yeah, a lot of fun. That sounds awesome. And Jeremy, <laughs> tell us more about D20 Adventure Realm. Sure. Uh, well, I, I've uh, I do much uh, much the same as as Malcolm does. Uh, I've been running public games as a professional dungeon master for three years. Come Monday. Oh, Good wow. God! <laughs> I just realized that. Uh, I think Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it's been three years. Um, and uh, normally, very similar. I, I ran events at uh, restaurants, breweries, game shops, and that sort of thing. And now it's all kind of transitioned into virtual and online, but um, trying to trying to maintain a uh, sense of community despite the distance. And uh, it's yes. been it's been a lot of fun, uh, you know, along the way and, and learning how to to tell stories in different ways and really trying to get new players. A, a lot of my focus is on getting people that have never played before into the hobby. And so my my sessions are definitely geared towards the beginner who doesn't know what a d20 is doesn't understand you know the difference between a d8 and a d6 uh type situation so uh i really i really want to to share the thing that i love with other people that don't realize they they love it yet (laughs) absolutely well thank you all for being here i'm so excited to talk to you guys and we're doing this actually right now recording this right in the heart of dc fandom and uh, it's really, really interesting because I've been watching it all day and I've experienced a lot, lot this year. Um, our unnecessary debates panel was on Kayla's on the Core Dance Crew's huge virtual convention. Hannibal, you, you were, um, you, you did a celebrity, uh, a, a big celebrity stream and you were also part of our Black Lives Matter charity stream as well, uh, talking about creating and I, I loved having you on that. And, um, with you guys, I guess the first question is, what has been your experience? Do uh, with it, with doing these virtual events that weren't yours. So, what are your thoughts on them? Well, I I guess the first thing I would say is that um, when doing an event, there's two things that I, I try to focus on. First of all, uh, making sure that it's a show. It's like telling a story. So, it's got to have a beginning, middle, and end. It's got to have an arc to it. It's got to have uh, a, a clear through line. And that's you know everything from a marketing blurb to a, a big panel. Um, and Second is making sure that you have a hook, something to get people there. So when I, I worked with uh, Mark Byrne and, uh, who, on the Plague Nerdlog, 
it was easy. He had the phone numbers of everybody on every WB show literally in his phone. So <laughs> that helps. <laughs> you know, when when you get that going on and late in the process, Lynn Manuel Miranda says, Oh, hang on, I've got something for you. It kind of was like, Oh, I don't have to actually work this hard at all. You know, Hollywood reporters gonna come knocking, right? He's gonna come knocking. <laughs> Uh, on other things, you have to work a little bit more on the story of why people care, why people should be interested in mm-hmm. what is happening here and what will get them in the door and their butts in the seats in that regard. What have been your experiences with other events that weren't yours, though? So like, what have, with Comic-Con, WonderCon, and, and all those other well, ones? Well, uh, on a good side, I've seen events like uh, uh, there was the, the rent party that uh, 133 Art and that uh, Nerd Soul did, which had – a lot of amazing voices that had an online cipher, like the BET Awards, that did all kinds of great things that was done really well because it had a lot of planning put into it. People who try to show up the day of, uh, I'm sorry, another one that had a lot of great planning was Cecil Castellucci did an online con. Uh, also, Russell Nolte did a great online one. And you could see the planning that went into it beforehand. People who show up and kind of freestyle it, it makes a big difference. There's dead air, there's technical mistakes, there's all kinds of shenanigans that for the viewer, drop, drop, drop. People have other things to do, even in a pandemic. Yep, absolutely. All right. Anybody else have any experience with uh, experiences with other virtual events? Um, I know for Core, we did Summerfest, but then we also, a couple weeks later, did Anime Expo, kind of back-to-back, so we got to promote those. And um, they're very similar, but they're very difficult for us specifically just because we are live entertainment. We were, we're not actors on a TV show. We're not you know, dancers on the screen, we, we thrive in theater. And so that was really awkward because we, it was super awkward for core because I mean, we're awkward people, but in general, we (laughs) work better on a live stage with an interactive audience. And we hadn't trained any of our coursemen to be all virtual or be digital or be through a camera. So we actually had to go, like Hannibal said, it's all about the preparation. You have to train and you have to be prepared because doing things through this, through a screen is so much different. People think it's easier. It's not. So anyone who who does things digitally or virtually, like that is a skill all on its own. Everybody just shook their heads no to that, by the way. Like (laughs) everyone everyone was like, no, it is not the same. It is not easier. (laughs) I can co-sign on some of that just from the perspective of, you know, Creators Assemble and then Prior to that, like all of our events obviously being in person, I mean, working with Comic-Con, as you guys all know, is is a different animal in terms of like Comic-Con at home was like, they're not going to have comments turned on and you're you're doing it in advance, recording it. And then they said they were going to do some edits. And this is gentle just stuff because, I mean, obviously I work well with them, but um, they said they were going to do some editing. And so we didn't. And then there were, I mean, they wouldn't have had time to do all that. It makes sense. But that's what we were told on the front hand. And so when we saw it, we we're like, whoops, that, that wasn't edited. We would have taken care of that easily. You know, it's just, it's just different when it's you're creating the product for somebody else. It's a completely different animal than when you're putting it out through your channels. On the other hand, you're getting the boost from somebody else, and that's always a good thing. So, Absolutely. How about you, Malcolm or Jeremy? I've actually I've done uh, a couple. I mean, well, from a viewer's perspective, maybe like attending like Gen Con online, uh, being a gamer it was a little different, um, as well as I did in a, a, an expo uh, for Storm Giant Games that was called Crowd Control right around the time that all this happened. And it was, it's, it was, it was, it was a weird experience in the beginning, but you just as all things, you kind of start to, it was kind of, it was kind of neat the way, like uh, I think what Hannibal saying is if it is 
well uh, crafted and put together. You can see the time that goes there because they had, you know, they had an online portal where you went to that had made you feel like you were kind of in the gallery where you could go and visit different vendors. And then there was always something streaming and then there were different panel boards and nothing seemed to kind of glitch. Everything seemed to, you know, uh, move very smoothly. There was a discord going if you wanted to talk to people. So I think that, you know, it, it's just a, as a, you know, as someone just kind of participating in it, I, I got acclimated pretty quickly. And, and Good. Yeah, yeah. I, I would add that uh, it's just a different tool set that you're that you're working with. Um, for me, it took me. You know, I, I was doing I was doing events in Southern California, uh, live, doing it. You know, like I said, at, at breweries and restaurants, that sort of thing, and transitioning. Not only did I move to Maine uh, during that time, but uh, it was relatively planned. But definitely, the timeline was definitely pushed up because of COVID. Um, and I, it took me it took me a solid two months of of working at it. Uh, you know, I was I was unemployed at the time, so I had the time to do it. I, and um, I, I was sitting at my at my computer and and figuring out which programs were going to be the ones that allowed me to to run a game smoothly uh, that allowed the players that weren't familiar, you know, were at the same level as I am <laughs> uh, with familiarity with these programs to be able to jump in easily and not have it be a, a barrier to them playing the game itself and then testing things out. And I, I actually, uh, you know, my, my core uh, game is Dungeons and Dragons, but I actually started out running a much simpler version of a game called Chomp, which is a, a very, very rules light uh, zombie survival game and because i i didn't want to have to worry about all of the mechanics and all the dice and everything and it it is it, it was a a much simpler system to kind of practice on and i ran that for about a month and then using that time to get comfortable to how i wanted to run D&D and then when i figured out you know whittled away all of the extra stuff and found what i was comfortable with and what my players could kind of handle that was when i i relaunched um running you know the more complicated uh games that i do but it, it's it yeah really again to hannibal's point it, it's about the preparation and spending the time understanding that it is a different animal that you are handling and understanding that it's it's just going to be different like you can't make it the same that's not going to work you have to work with work with the, the these new concepts and tools that are you know at your disposal and uh, make the best of it with those things and and when you take the time to do that and realize that it's it's not going to be exactly the same that's when you're you're more apt to have that success uh and just kind of accepting the fact that it's, it's going to be different and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Absolutely. I can, have, I can definitely see like a zombie game versus like a full fledged, like D and D game being easier. We're just like, just run and kill things. The other one, you're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's a lot simpler and, and, and it doesn't use as many different types of dice and the character creation is five minutes instead of 30, you know, like all these different things. And it, it really helped me uh, kind of ease into it from, you know, from from the game master perspective. Uh, but I think also from the player perspective of, of being able to feel feel like they weren't taking on so much all at once and having to switch platforms and everything. L luckily, uh, at least for, for Dungeons and Dragons, um, you know, Roll20 has been around for quite a while. D&D mm. &D Beyond mm. has been around for a few years. Mm -hmm. Fantasy Grounds, you know, there's a lot of virtual tabletop systems that have actually been running for years, but they're they're having this 
like they're having this this beautiful moment right now where uh, millions of people who, who who would have never thought about no i only want to roll physical dice and i only want to play with people that are in the same room are now like give me my dnt please yes. and <laughs> uh and these systems are you know and they're they're responding uh you know they're they're going through updates and they're adding features and i think that's kind of true of a lot of these different types of systems uh you know obviously i can't speak to what everybody else is experiencing exactly but i think uh, these companies and and programs that that we are all relying on more at this point are stepping up. They are recognizing the need and they are doing their best to really provide the things that make like our jobs easier or our, our entertainment easier to access, you know, whether or not we're working with it or whether or not we're able to enjoy it from somebody else working. And I think that, I think that's incredible that, uh, there, there's there's support from all sides <laughs> of this situation yeah. to like try and make it uh, I, I don't know I am better isn't the right word but uh, easier to access I guess like the access is, is improved yeah. you ac you actually hit something which I want to ask you guys now about about doing these events and doing putting things together virtually what were some of the things like for you guys specifically that you kind of found maybe a little bit easier? And things that, that were a lot harder for you guys to do. Like, uh, Jeremy, you definitely mentioned a lot of things on both sides. And that, that's just kind of prompted me to be like, well, that's a good question. So, um, so for me, it, it was it was simply changing. And I, th I think Kayla kind of touched on it, too. It's a live performance. So when I'm a dungeon master at a table with, you know, six to ten people in front of me, I am talking to them. I am uh, interacting with them eyesight and changing my voice and things like that in a, in, a, in a way that they can pick up a lot easier in person. You know, there's a lot of that nonverbal communication that's happening at a table that is incredibly difficult to imitate <laughs> via, you know, a, a Zoom call or, or whatever, you know, whatever program you're, you're using. Um, so that was honestly, that was the biggest hurdle for me is uh, is learning and I'm, and I'm still working on it is learning to vocalize the things that I'm thinking and acting at the same time as I'm doing it. So sometimes they can pick up on the nonverbal cues, but also making sure that if they're missing it, you know, cause I can look at my camera, uh, but you don't know who I'm looking at, you know, like I'm looking at all of you technically. So right. uh, being able to kind of clarify that and using, using names uh, more, more actively uh, when referring to either a player or a character um, mm -hmm. is uh, one of the big things that I've, I've found to, uh, to kind of, like that—that's been the biggest shift for me, anyway. Yeah. Uh, how about how about you, Malcolm? Do you kind of feel the same way? Um, absolutely. What Jeremy said in terms of making that original transition, because uh, I kind of consider myself one of the things that uh, that I've kind of gravitated. What I've always loved about D and D is I kind of consider myself a cinematic DM. So it's not just every. It's all about immersion for me, right? So everything from music to the models to the miniatures I'm using to the voices I'm doing to the way I'm able to engage with different players, being able to pull someone aside, being able to share a note with someone. It's a lot of that that you kind of lose immediately when you're on things on, you know, Google or Zoom. But then again, because the second part of your question is like what has kind of become easier. It's weird. Once I found my stride, it's been it's actually been really it's been easier to kind of facilitate my, my tools or like at my fingertips, right? So like, I've got like, I've got the music I want. I've got the sounds I want. And see, so then by the way, I'm a DM. I do not use uh, virtual tabletops. I need, if I am going to use miniatures, if it's not theater of the mind, then it's got to be on a table. So 
I've got like a table net. So I, so that those first couple months were just transitioning, like turning my game room into a game studio and like (laughs) finding where the camera was going to be, finding how to position the miniatures on the board, finding how to change scenes very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now it's 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 kind of like we found a way to do it. Even bringing, I usually bring in special guests now. Now you you, you know you queue them up somewhere else. You are like, all right, you know the players don't think this person's coming in, but I've got them ready. And then they show up, and everybody's <laughs> gas. Yeah, it's great. And uh, so there's a lot of things that got easier, but there's still there's still you you still miss the the tabletop. You know, yeah, for sure. Absolutely, Kayla. You 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 know you and you and your team did a whole convention panels. All that stuff. I mean, what were some of the hardest things that you like, like that way harder than you anticipated? And what are some of the things like, oh, that was actually really painless. For us, it was putting together the panels and the workshops was easy because it's kind of what it is already. You're kind of individuals working with other individuals. So you can have an individual camera, you can have an individual mic and you can still have conversations. The hardest part, though, is that we're a dance company. So we couldn't perform together. We can't be around each other. I mean, they're all beautiful humans, but you can't watch one person dance for 14 hours straight. You're kind of just like, now you're just kind of wiggling for yourself. So we had to figure out like (laughs) different ways. (laughs) I mean, or yeah, but we had to figure out different ways to still be a dance company separated. So one of the really hard things was we decided to do this um, social distancing freestyle video. So every year and during summer, we do a huge freestyle at like anime expo and it's like a one take shot, super easy on that end. But this time we were like, how do we get one space? And because it's a pandemic, we can only go there one at a time and you can only dance one at a time, but how do we make it look like we're dancing all together? So that like on my end, I had to be like, cause I'm the video editor for the team. So I'm like, okay, great. 18 plus hours of extra work. That's awesome. So excited to do that. But it like, it was fun in the end. And then even doing dance workshops is hard because what's great plus side was we got to connect with, we call like people who, who support us. We don't call, we don't say we have fans. We have comrades, comrades in arms. So like comrades who are across the seas or in different time zones or in different states or in different countries, we got to connect with them, which we never got to do before because they're not down here with us. They can't see a live performance. So that was awesome. The poopy part was that we're doing a dance class digitally. So people are like, the music doesn't match up. You're skipping, blah, blah. And you're like, I can only do so much that I can do. And we found a groove with that later on, but definitely in the beginning, we're like, yes, we know. It's not the whole world 2020. We got it. You you, You can't tell everybody to get better internet, you know? Exactly. Like I can only do so much. Yeah, but that's not my fault. <laughs> so be better at internet. I'm yeah, so right? sorry. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Moni and uh, Hannibal and I, a lot, all, the three of us focus a lot on doing our own panels. Um, Hannibal has an amazing debating panel that I'm really terrible. I'm really terrible at, and uh, Moni, your your panels are so full of just like information and this kind of engagement where you know it's really targeted towards people who want to know more what about you guys doing these virtual panels for these conventions i can tell you a story that will give you the best case so so the things that are easier all right everyone everyone (laughs) my turn to be the dungeon master close the door close the door Um, that there's no distractions. So what we do this really great event called Comics, Coffee, and Conversation, and we do it obviously in person. And what we do is we get 
the biggest name creators we can possibly get. These guys, you know, we had Scott Snyder for our very first one. And then we get like their publishers and we get editors and then we get all these aspiring creators and then we get educators and librarians and teachers to all be in the same room and we do it like speed dating style and so you do it in rotation but obviously that's a ton of coordination with the facility you know we have to have a bouncer like low-key we have to have the librarians be bouncers because you're always going to get like the bum rush of some creators fans and that kind of thing so it's easier to not have to negotiate all of that but I will tell you the saddest thing, the hardest thing for me anyway, and it's, and maybe it's not this hard for you guys, but for me, I sound like a rookie. I had a panel with, for WonderCon at home. It was Kelly Sudaconic, Grace Ellis, oh. a fantastic retailer and someone from Comic-Con that was doing the moderating for us. And we had, you know, the magic where you, where you have them all and you, and you, everything you're talking about was about girl power and empowering young women in comics and like in our space. And then at the end of it all, after I let them go, I had recorded 39 seconds of the panel. No. <laughs> oh, my God. And just. Oh, no. I just cried. Like, <laughs> God. And of course, you don't get Kelly Sue again at the oh, same yeah. time in real time as everyone else. Her publisher, by the time you get her publisher to, like, get all that set up, oh, sorry, she's got other engagements. Effing course she has other engagements, you know? Oh, no. So. Wow. You better damn well know that that has not happened since, but it had never happened before. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's the hardest thing that has ever. Thank thank you for telling (laughs) us that story. I am so sorry. There's there's another thing is, I, I think one thing that you that is awesome about that is one thing that panel sounds absolutely amazing. And it is such a feat to have somebody like Kelly Sudaconic. Like that's amazing. Yes. And also like now those librarians have on the resume librarian slash bouncer, which I think is like, <laughs> which will like raise the best questions at a job interview. so we can do a whole other episode on shit that goes down in libraries you don't even know like we're all bouncers we're all social (laughs) hannibal on our next episode yes sir you are so tech savvy so in my mind i feel like it nothing was nothing was hard at all you would think that (laughs) and you would be wrong uh Literally, uh, literally, like the week before the pandemic, like shut everybody down. I was doing this thing called the Jules Winfield Festival in Culver City, and I had Chuck Patton, uh, Kevin Grievous, mm. and Brandon Easton on a panel together. Right? I had set up multiple cameras. I was running it off my watch. I was like, "Oh, I'm all set. Wow. Blah blah. I'm, I'm good." Right? <laughs> Except I didn't turn "Do Not Disturb" on for devices. So mm. when my wife needed to reach out to me. All of the recording stopped, and that, oh, that's no. why when she said that thirty-nine second thing, there was so there was so many stories. Because I looked down at my watch, and it's like not recording. I'm like, oh mm. no, oh 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 no, because I had just been like nodding and all that. Yes, say that thing. That's amazing, Brandon Easton. Tell it, yeah. Grievous. All right, Chuck, <laughs> yeah. you you co-created yeah. vibe. Yes, Chuck, and you know. <laughs> when Brandon Easton, uh, Eastman says something like it's so like just perfect, and you're just like, man, can you repeat that? <laughs> it's like, I love that man. So like, I've looked at the video, and it cuts off at the worst, most awkward part. It's so much though so that like every time I start to edit it, I start to get angry. Uh, oh, so no. I haven't even put it. It's literally still sitting on my hard drive, uh, and I, I, 
I'd almost forgotten about it. Now I'm all worked up again. But yeah, so there are there are always going to be technical difficulties. This is a support so what, group as well. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. What I've learned since then is to do uh, at least one thing I used to do when I was doing live sound, which is the sound check. So I need to do essentially a pre-show, a dress mm-hmm. rehearsal, full show, tape it, see it, watch it, see what's going to go wrong. Um, if I had done that, I would have remembered, oh, right, put this on my little checklist, turn on Do Not Disturb, and I wouldn't have had the problem. But in retrospect, you live, you learn, and then you sob into your video editing software. <laughs> yeah. All in post. Or go outside and scream at your neighborhood <laughs> and make them think you're crazy. But you Yeah, know. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, what were some what were some of the things that, were, that was an easier transition for you, though? An easier thing that uh, worked on the Plague Nerd Logs that I, I discovered was that uh, if I start out with, as I said, with preparation, then everything flows like an assembly line. So for the Plague Nerd Logs, I got a web template that I, uh, I adapted to Mark's colors and Mark's ideas for it and laid that out. And then I made a Photoshop uh, template to match it. So here's where the name goes. Here's where this goes. Here's where the credit goes. And here's where this goes. So whenever he would come out of me out of nowhere, we're like, oh, I just got Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm like, just plug the, I'll just plug the names in. Hang on a second. <laughs> and I would just... I would crank it out really quickly after a while. So we ended up doing, I think it was like more than 50 or 60 videos. And it got to the point where I was able to turn them around in like 15 minutes. It was like, I would just be like, and title card, and plop in video, and plop in overlay, and render. And then walk away and forget about it. Uh, So uh, getting that kind of an assembly line mentality really helped me as it went on because as a you know what was supposed to be like 20 videos turned into so many more videos and doing that uh helped me manage my time more effectively helped me be available for my family helped me be available for my available for my day job and my writing and everything else so yeah it was it ultimately turned out to be the right thing to do i'm just really glad that i i sat down and planned it well there's another thing and and this is uh, I'll, i'll say the more cooks in the kitchen, the more possibility there is for chaos. So at a certain point, there's got to be a person who's able to decide. Luckily, Mark doesn't know anything technical. So he just said, I trust you. And I made all the decisions, and it flowed much more smoothly. In more collaborative projects, that can sometimes not be the case. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. And my next question is going to be everybody's favorite question in the world. How do you guys find engagement? And what is something that you learned that was that was like after doing your event or after doing something to f- find people to discover what you're doing and how are you going to implement it next time? Engagement. So like getting people to interact with our beautiful, lovely events online. Um, it's one, it was very difficult because we are in a pandemic and so everything was virtual. So you have to be like, okay, I'm now going to jump into the ball pit with every single person doing something virtual. So you're like, okay, but then you also know that, well, everyone has to be virtual. So you know that people are looking, but what also sucks for being on core is that we perform on the stage and we do something awesome and nerdy and cosplaying on stage, but we don't actually get to talk about the stuff that we do know. And so what's nice with when you go virtual now we can be like, okay, now we can flex a little bit with our knowledge. And so that was our best way to do engagement is like to find the like-minded people. So it's like, okay, well, we have different, ironically, being the CEO, I don't watch as much anime as the rest of my team. I'm the comics books person. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do, I know, right? This is just a lovely group of humans that I, I love. The, the, I was like, okay, I will cater to what I know then to 
take our event and be like, what part of our event do the comics people love that I would love? So I was like, okay, I need to make separate um, engagement for that. And then for all our anime people, it's that separate engagement. And then like Sammy, if you guys know, she's the, she's the tabletop D and D person. And most of us don't know that world. So we're like, okay, you make engagement for that. So it was trying to find a way to pull in all different kinds of people because you want a large audience without sacrificing the material so that you're just making it super generic and you're just like, you know, two step Bob on the corner that everyone can see. You want to make it something a little bit more detailed and engaging. So it's trying to find that balance between the two, which is kind of hard, but fun. Um, you know, going back to my whole like theme of cinema is that I consider my D and D group, uh, uh, a, a mind cinema house, right? So starting to bring on other DMs that I like, everybody doesn't watch the same director. Everybody doesn't watch, like you don't just watch Steven Spielberg movies every day, all day. And so I decided to try to bring other people in who have different styles and kind of bring them like directors to run games for me. And then the way I try to engage my audience through Instagram is through my posts and things like that. But I create like visual trailers for our games. Uh, so a trailer with music and then like, Something about players love to see their name in the opening credits before a game starts. It lets them know that they're the star. And it, I, I've just noticed that pre-game, that helps bring people in. Post-game to share. like, And then you can create these cool little, like, you know, what happened in the story. And then you put those out with those same trailers and some of that music. And it's all about just immersing this, whether the person is a spectator or they're in the game um just trying to create that kind of an engagement all around is showing some of the things that I that I do hyping games up with you know teasing players sending them you know random you know messages uh you know via email or whatever it may be um and then trying to treat every game to let players know that uh also what I'll do is kind of like turn it into like a mini like I said, create it, turn it into a video, share it with the players, and then hope that they share it with other people. And then inadvertently, you start having people kind of trick down the pipeline, like, hey, I heard you're doing this. I've always been wanting to play D&D. You know, most of the people that come, I think Jeremy's saying, most people that come to us are like, I've always wanted to play that, but it seemed too weird or it seemed too taboo. And then they see one of our videos and it seems very like, whoa, it's like streamlined. It's like, that's really cool. Like, that's, you know, it's like my video games, but like I have full control. And it's like, yeah, you have full control. Like nothing is... I haven't predetermined your fate, you know, from the beginning of the game. Whereas I always tell people when it comes to video games, the mediums are great. Movies, all of it. Uh, but Dungeons and Dragons and other role playings, they put a certain control in. And ever since the beginning of time, we've been sitting around uh, the, the fire telling stories. Right. And it, for a long time, we got used to taking away the agency of our stories and giving them to the, it's the idea that like passive entertainment, it's okay if Christian Bell is Batman, but as long as he gets paid a million dollars, you know, to, to play the character, that's what makes it okay for me to engage with. Same thing I think with, you know, cosplay or anything, I think geeks are kind of taking that agency back and controlling the story and, and be able to tell yourself a story and engage with other people in the story. And at the end of that, that being better than anything you just watched on HBO on Sunday night. Right. Um, that's, that's what I try to do. <laughs> Absolutely. I love, I love all that. God, it's amazing. Well said. Thank you. Um, Moni, what about you? Um, for us, we have a network basically of the aspiring creators, as I mentioned, and then of educators and librarians. And for us, it's kind of knowing your audience and then listening also to what they want to see. So obviously our stuff is all informational but, um, you know, I'll reach out to the creators via email and just kind of be like, hey, what kind of topics 
are you guys interested in? And I thought everyone just wanted to be like illustrators or everyone wants to write comics, but apparently like they want to be publishers or they want to learn like what different jobs there are in editing and layouts and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, we know, I know this. Um, and it's the same on the, on the librarian side. Like for me coming from, I've been a comics librarian and everyone knows how to do this. And it's like, no, slow down, especially right now with all the challenges that teachers and librarians are facing. It's like how not only, why should I be doing this? And there's not a lot of data out there. Um, how do I do this? And then how do you make it as easy as possible? So for us, especially right now, we've been making toolkits to make it all digital. And I know like, you know, digital comics aren't always everyone's cup of tea, but right now that's, that's the most accessible thing. And that's been one of the good things about sort of having to bring everything virtual is now it's accessible. You know, now we're not just making a dent in the San Diego market, but we have creators from literally around the world that we're promoting and all this kind of stuff. So that part's been really good. Just kind of knowing their audience. And also we do, not just comics, but we do pop culture. And so it's reading the room, like what's popular right now? And then us as librarian geeks going back and being like, well, what kind of topics could we talk about around whatever's popular right now? So that's just, I think, really just engaging an audience by knowing who you're talking to and, and what they're telling you and allowing for them, if you can, to have it live, allowing for comments to be asked or questions to come in advance or whatever else as well. Yeah, absolutely on that. Thank you so much. Jeremy. How do you, how are you finding engagement? Uh, I have to turn people away. I I actually have uh, I I have I have You're not pulled, Hall H. What is this? Um I have pulled back on promoting a lot of my stuff because I have actually too many people that want to do it. Uh and I I, I yeah, I know I I He's it's, not lying. He's either. a real dancer. I'm, your meetup. I'm like, "Oh, wow. Okay." Yeah, so so That's a great I problem. I I've been doing this for for three years. I've I've worked on uh, a meetup with with tabletop takeovers. We have over a thousand people on that meetup, and it's growing. I don't know five to ten people a week. Uh, I am consistently running uh, a weekly game, and ever since I switched from running a weekly game instead of twice monthly, I'm getting way more people. And because I'm running virtually, like th this week alone or I should say last week, the two sessions that I ran last week, I had somebody from North Carolina. I had somebody from England and actually playing with Malcolm. We did uh, a fundraiser back in, I believe it was like May or something like that. We had people from six different States, I think yep. uh, in every time we had one person in every time zone for that fundraising uh, game. So I am, uh, I'm finding that I am running out of time to to access or to to like provide the service that people are are asking me for and i i think it's because i i've i've been doing this for a while first of all but also my consistency is what's driving it and because i have a game every week that's promoted uh you know on meetup and facebook and and i i've actually i don't even use instagram anymore um i because it, it's too much for me i don't have enough time to do it and and i I can't handle the, <laughs> I can't handle the traffic that might come through it. Uh, and I don't, I feel bad about turning people away. And until I can figure out a way to, to accommodate more players, either bring, you know, much like Malcolm is doing and, and some other people that, uh, that we've worked together yeah, before with like Adam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, the D and D club, um, you know, bringing multiple dungeon masters or game masters together to be able to handle the load of players that are looking for that interaction. 
I, I, I have to, I actually have to pull back. Um, so it's, it's not that it's not that I'm not still putting a lot of effort into it, but I have to be, I want to be able to provide the experience to the players that are showing up now. And if I, if I bring in too many people, then it starts to dilute what we have with the interactions with the characters and the backstories and all this other stuff. And I want to try and maintain that integrity. Um, so I, yeah, the one thing I would say is really to, it's the consistency. And that, that is, if you've ever listened to me talk about this ever, ever, ever about anything, consistency is the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, playing, playing Dungeons and Dragons or dancing or, or, uh, you know, providing comic books to it's like consistency is going to be what gets yeah. you the, the, um, the attention uh, that that you want uh, to what's going on, which, and I don't mean to, to uh, derail this right here, but I I did want to mention, and uh, I think Tyler, you, you made the comment about the, um, this being a a way to, as a little bit of a therapy. And I, I just like really quick. I just wanted to say that I, I think that it's very important what we are all doing to put on these virtual uh, events in, in whatever form that they might be, because people need this sort of interaction. And yes, it's not the same. Yes, it will never be the same as in person and going to a convention and being able to dress up and watch an amazing dance show or, you know, have somebody uh, help you find the right comic book and describe, you know, how that relates to to the things that are going on in the world today. But see Hannibal run around they, like like, it went like a madman. Or see, yeah. <laughs> but I, I so, I so I've, fa- I've I found that <laughs> I found that my sessions have so I've short I've shortened them first of all uh, they used to be four hour events now they are three but I have found that a um, thirty minutes of that is usually how's your week been. Hey, how is that thing going? Or, you know, like, remember you talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I wonder how, you know, uh, is there an update? And there, there is a, um, there is that sort of community that's being built in, in this new space. And it, again, it looks very different from what it used to, but I, I think people desire that connection and, and they, they want to have it, even if it looks and feels different than what it did before. And I, I think that's a big portion of what we do is providing that outlet and, and interaction and allowing people to, to be in a, um, to be in a creative space with other creative people and exercise those things that being stuck in your house for weeks at a time is just degrading. Uh, so yeah, I, I, sorry, you know, if I went off on a You're tangent there, I just, I, I thought what you said was really important and I wanted to kind of mention that and, 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 you know, just throw that out there. So I, I'll be very short. I was just going to say the same thing with Jimmy cause I was literally like nodding my head. Like, for, yes. Cause like when I first started, Mike, when I was doing these live, my games would be about four hours in a bar in a public place. And online, I was able to shorten them, and I would think that people would jump off after that three that three hour mark. And when that game is done, I notice that like I'm on for another hour, just talking yes. to people about like their lives and like what's happening next week and what's going on. And you realize that there's that therapeutic aspect to being a dungeon master. Um, you know, almost to the point where there's times it's like, all right, guys, I I gotta go. The wife's about to like kill me for being on for six hours. I'm on the we I'm on the East Coast. Most of my players on the West Coast. So sometimes sometimes I just yeah. gotta call it because you know it. it might be nine p.m. there, but it's midnight yeah. here, and I gotta work tomorrow. You know, type situation. Once the event is over, you turn off, you take off your professional hat, and you're like, all right, let's let's talk yep. for thirty minutes. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. what were you yeah, it, it is. Yep. I've also been start hoping. 
Dungeons and Dragons uh, happy hours. That's been helping too. Like uh, we were doing this live. We used to just have like a free event where if you come to our games, you could like show up with other people who play the games and then just kind of talk things through and like talk about your characters, talk about your stories. And so I've been doing those now online and that's been kind of nice to get like 25, 30 people in a room just to just chat with each other, you know, um, with all things geek. And so, yeah, all of it, you're, 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 you're hit the nail on the head, Jeremy. And Hannibal, how are yes, you getting engagement and how are you working at it? Well, uh, I come professionally from uh, a project management background in both se- in marketing and promotions. Like I remember I worked on the launch of the Toyota Tundra, which uh, happened after they spent years and years developing the truck. And then after they were completely done developing the truck, they're like, all right, now we're ready to begin the plan for this. They left the truck sitting there. That was intentional. They wanted to be able to uh, have time to plan things out. And for a lot of coll- collaborators I work with, sometimes it's like, this is done. We need to ship it out right now. I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to have a plan. We need to set a date. Here's when we're going to launch it. Okay, so Wildfire, Wildfire Wednesday season six starts in November. Okay, I'll have the script done in April. April? Isn't that too soon? I'm like, no, it's not too soon. No, 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 Because no. <laughs> you need time to produce it. And then we need time to take what you've produced to make promotional assets that we can use to tease the work. Um, I was told very early in my career that making the work and selling the work are drastically different jobs. They're both completely different full-time jobs with their own skill sets. And doing them simultaneously as an entrepreneur can be difficult. For me, it's enormously difficult because I don't like selling the work and I love doing the work. So um, what I've done in that regard is I've, I've tried to move myself into positions where I can sometimes be have an easier road for that. I'm in this uh, Facebook group that's got 7,000 members. All of them are super engaged. All of them are super, you know, uh, consumer-minded. So if I promote something in there, I know I can drive some traffic to something. Uh, when I made my deal to come to Bleeding Cool after leaving Comic Book Resources, they said, you can do anything you want. I'm like, I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> like, whatever you want to write about, whenever you want to publish it, whatever you want to do, you can do it. I'm like, you're making a terrible mistake. All right, I'm off to the races. And now I started doing what I called <laughs> decolonizing Bleeding Cool. So we had a Kwanzaa feature for the first time in the history of Bleeding Cool. I was able to uh, cover yeah. Jeffrey Thorne's uh, uh, webcomic, which would not have gotten any press anywhere, no matter from the fact that he's worked in cable TV and comics forever. And, and what I'm going to start doing, okay, you know what? <laughs> I will give you a treat, Tyler. I'm going to announce something. In 2021, uh, I'm going to be start doing a, an original prose series on Bleeding Cool that... No one has seen that no one has heard about, and it's wow. going to be a complete madhouse that I'm really looking forward to. Nice. And they were like, we, were, we didn't think when we wrote this contract to say you couldn't do certain things, so off to the races you go. Uh, and in doing so, that gives me certain options. Uh, it's also about networking. So if I know uh, Russell Nolte led me on to these things called uh, groupies, where uh, our books would be bundled with a whole bunch of other books and sold, so I don't have to do all the advertising. Everybody does all the advertising. Um, using means like that, using Facebook ads, smartly enough, even though Facebook is secretly supporting fascists and I don't want to give them money, um, and so on and so forth. Trying to figure out those, those specifics in marketing is, is, you know, like I said, it's a full-time job in and of itself. Uh, and I do it interspersed with the, as you note, 17,000 other things that I'm doing. Uh, I would say I have middling success at it. I'm better at making the plan than executing the plan because executing the plan takes time that I sometimes don't have. But uh, the better collaborators that I'm working with, I know the team at Humanoids that I'm working with on the MPLS Sound book uh, that's coming out in April. I'm sorry, 
is it April 2021? I can't remember. Anyway, um, uh, they're way ahead of the game. So working, I'm like, okay, this is the plan. Great. Let's work the plan. And everybody has their role and it, it works much smoother. So it's again, a factor of preparation. Preparation wins the day so, so many times. And knowing that I have, knowing that I don't have to do this thing right now when I just published it, when I just finished writing and when the ink is not even dry is important to give me time and space to be able to promote it properly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I want to give a huge shout out for um, basically anybody who wants to do anything creative. If you don't know or follow anything Russell Nolte, you're definitely missing out if you want a uh, basically help on everything. Like, I, I, I love Russell. Um, uh, and I, I helped Russell with his his podcast is phenomenal. And I was helping him uh, with some new programs. Um, and that, <laughs> thank you for Animal for tagging me into, into statics because my algorithms been so messed up. But yeah, if you want to get anything creative and you want to know about um, basically advertising yourself and engaging people, Russell is just ten steps ahead of the game. I feel like it's fantastic person. So yeah, definitely want to give out a sh- uh, shout out to Russell. Before, I actually just remembered something else. In terms of that, it's also about making uh, the proper alliances, not just Russell, but like, say, for instance, I've got a relationship with Fanbase Press that has gotten me a lot of reviews that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. I, there's a, a little blog called Comics in Cashmere that, you know, it's a smaller blog, but the stuff that they talk about is relevant and it's relevant. So I try never to, I don't want to ever get to the point where I say, oh, no, that outlet is too small for me. That is a jerk move that I do not want to be a part of. Um, that every outlet, every voice is talking to somebody that I wouldn't have reached on my own. So I do a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of interviews. I do a lot of stuff like that to just keep circulating the word as best as I can, which I used to do a lot more with panels, but now I'm sitting in my living room. Yeah. (laughs) And thank you for being on here. Uh, Thank you guys for being here on the small network as well. I have the last question uh, regarding this topic and kind of future do you see for virtual events? once the world comes back to, in air quotes, normal? So I mentioned it before, but accessibility is just really huge for, um, especially like librarians, obviously public library, we give it all away for free. That sounds terrible, but <laughs> but it's true. Um, <laughs> get it all for free, but it's true. Once you, things reopen. Um, and so I'm really appreciating like even Comic-Con and everything being online and being available because, you know, I hear so many people, can you get me in? And I couldn't get tickets. And you see all that that drama and heartbreak from people. And it's really nice that they're able to participate, even if it isn't the same. Um, and then in the future, yes, yeah, having a bigger reach, you know, just being able to not, like I said, just be just be San Diego, not the San Diego's and the dopest place on the planet, because it is. But, <laughs> but being able to get that global reach and being able to, not just be known, but for us as a nonprofit to be helping people and to be reaching people and to be finding out what they need and to figure out how we can help with that or find them a resource, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what I would say. Um, I, I would love to see things done kind of dual where we do it in person, you know, first and foremost, but I would love to see, I, I certainly hope that all of these cons think about having the virtual component. If it can't be live, I understand, but at least have it pre- recorded so that people can watch it afterward would exactly. be amazing. Yeah, I love that. Abs- absolutely. How about you, Malcolm? Um, that's a good question. Like, I don't know if things are going to be the same again for a while. And, and it's just similar to what Jeremy was saying. Um, you know, there's always a silver. This has been a you know, terrible thing that happens in the world. But it's, for me and my kind of businesses, their silver lining has been that uh, – it's kind of pushed me to try to expand what I'm doing much farther than what I was doing before. And so I went from running 
one game a week on a Saturday in a bar to like sometimes running four games a week. And, um, you know, now I'm thinking that when we do go back, I think that there will be that opportunity and I'll be excited to go back and have that, that one game, but just to know that I think that, that I'll still have multiple, like all these people that like all the people that I've met since this, that, that play with us out of state, um, that, that I could never really access. I don't think that's going away. And I think if anything, it's just pushing me to expand, uh, my creativity of how to how to reach even more people with what we do and make make this uh, kind of the make the special kind of brand of D&D that we do available to them. Um, and so I think that I guess that's not necessarily answering the question. I guess what it might look like is probably still having a, a, a physical presence. But it just I just think that this online presence isn't going anywhere. Like before, if you asked me this before, I probably would have said, I don't want to play D&D online. I don't want to do it. And now I can't, I don't think that I'll go back to not running games online. Absolutely. All right, Kayla. Well, for us, it's, it's so, of course, majority of what we do, 95% of we do is physical in person. Just we, it has to be. But what was nice about doing everything virtual was like everyone said, like Moni said, is the accessibility, which we want to keep. The problem is, and Hannibal probably knows this, once you, if, if and when the world opens up, especially for entertainment, everything explodes and you're doing everything at once. So you don't have time to necessarily do these things that we were lucky to have time now. So it's trying to find that balance because you want to keep the accessibility, but you don't want to lose it. Like once we go back to performing at conventions, uh, we wouldn't have time to do Summerfest, which was such a huge undertaking to do. But a lot of what we did there were like, well, we want to keep that. So how do we alter it? Which is something that we're doing now is um, people were, were really surprised because like, yeah, we only ever saw you guys on stage. But now we know you guys have all these different things that you can offer as a company. So how can we keep those going? And so like Jeremy said, with consistency, we're starting to take things that we did during that one convention and be like, okay, let's turn this into something that can happen every single week. Or let's turn this into something that can happen once a month. So it's trying to convert this virtual phenomena into something that can be sustainable once the world opens up because i know we're like everyone is is especially and you guys know it we're all hustlers we're all ready to multitask but there's only so much you can do once the world opens up because then you're pulled in every direction so it's like right now we're all i know we're all hunkering down and taking notes on how to do both at the same time so it's it's kind of um I mean, we all say it's a growing experience and it's something that can only get better and can't get worse yes. when the world opens. Absolutely. All right, Hannibal. Well, at both my job and at many conventions, I've uh, said to people for many years, I didn't see any reason why I had to drag this sack of meat and bones to a physical place when I'm no more engaged here, I'm no smarter here, and I'm definitely no better prepared here than I could be if I'm not wearing pants. Um, so I did actually put on pants for you all today. You should be grateful. Thank you. But nonetheless. And they look fantastic um, on you, by the way. <laughs> I, I started doing this uh, consulting thing for uh, California State University Los Angeles for their EagleCon 2013. And I wanted to have a panel. Well, I was going to have Vince Hernandez and I was going to have Kevin Grievous, but I wanted to get Larry Hama, but I couldn't afford to fly Larry Hama out. So I had Larry Hama beamed in by a screen. It was like very 1984 behind us. And, and he was able to hear us talking. And he did that for $50. He let me do that. He's like, I'll, sure, $50 is fine. I was like, I thought I was going to have to negotiate. He didn't blink at it. And he was one of the best panelists I've ever had from his house. So that said, um, going back to the convention experience has its values. 
Uh, I have my concerns about it with the Barcon and sort of, sort of the Warren Ellis harassment sort of things that we've uh, that have come to light in recent. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, too soon. No, you're totally uh, fine. But... <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> my bad. My bad. <laughs> Good. In any case, um, I I want there to be a way for my brother who lives in Milwaukee who can't get out to a convention even as close as Chicago to be able to see the work. I want. Uh, for my my uh, friend in Boston who can't get to you know New York to New York Comic Con to still be able to interact with these things, so the idea of having this programming in person is a, is fantastic, and I love the fact that I've been able to connect with people and and the work of that. But limiting it to geography, I believe, is going to be a 20th century concept, and we're going to have to leave that behind. Um, that uh, anything that does not have uh, the accessibility of like, oh, they're not seeing you in Mumbai, player, what you even doing? What are you even doing? <laughs> so <laughs> I think we need to adopt that as, as, as more of our strategy, which is, is interesting because I was listening to uh, uh, Malcolm and the main man. Uh, I'm in two different D&D groups online. One of them is a traditional 5e and one is a space-based thing that I'm streaming uh, on Twitch with some people. No, no, it's, it's called, well, I don't know. It's called Esper Genesis. I don't know what, who runs the system, but I'm actually trying to negotiate writing some stuff for them. But anyway, um, with all of these things, these things couldn't have happened when I ha- had to drag my physical self to a place for four hours in the middle of the night. My family wasn't going to go for that. I got, I got people here. My wife has got a terminal illness. We've got stuff going on that I've got to deal with. But if I'm in the car and so, worse comes to worse, I can step away for 10 minutes from the game and come back to it. And there's no harm done. Uh, the accessibility that Moni talked about is very important. The accessibility uh, that Kayla talked about is very important. And in opening ourselves up to people who do not have the luxury financial or geographic to be able to reach us in other ways. It's part of a greater democratization of the content that I believe is necessary uh, for inclusion for a lot of underserved audiences that have not traditionally had the, been able to make the fight and win the lottery to get to San Diego, which is one of the best places in the world, I will admit, uh, <laughs> or so on and so forth. I believe that we have to open the doors wider and that can be done digitally. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And Jeremy, well, first of all, I now have a no a new goal. I need to get a player from Mumbai, obviously. <laughs> what are you calls for you? <laughs> what are you even doing? Yeah, I, I've had a few couple international players, but uh, not from Mumbai. So that's that's my new uh, new goal. End of twenty twenty. Let's see if I can hit it. Um, so f- moving from Southern California, where I had literally millions of potential. Uh, players within miles of me to rural Maine, uh, I will never not run virtual games. That's like, this is now just part of what I do now. Uh, It was not what I anticipated doing. It is not at all what I had planned, uh, you know, as part of my business model, you know, moving, but from, from here and, and again, basically everything that Hannibal just said about accessibility is, is key. And I am now one of those like geographically disadvantaged, um, where I don't have access to a lot of those things. So the, in, in my case, it's kind of in the reverse sense, I can reach the people that are in these big cities, despite my location. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I will never not have virtual games though, with that said, 
I cannot wait until I can run a dungeon Sunday with like multiple tables and a whole bunch of players all doing this that, you know, like I, I, that was something that I used to do every few, yeah. And beer and sandwiches and just, yeah, like there's, there's a certain type of energy that comes from that type of game that cannot be mimicked. And, uh, and I don't want to lose appreciation <laughs> for that. And I, I and I want to provide that as well, because I, I think it's important for people to get to kind of have that experience as well as part of the uh, kind of the, the, the game playing and role playing game uh, experience. But um, yeah, I think I think uh, the accessibility is really the biggest thing. And I and it and it's it's great to see that happen as part of it because it very easily could have been stuck behind paywalls and microtransactions yeah. and all mm-hmm. this other bullshit that, that happens with a lot of other types of things that are very similar. And it's great to see that that has not happened. And I hope that trend continues and, and continues to open that door wider and to let more people into this, like, these amazing communities that are supportive and creative and and active in making the world a better place through the weird things that we geek about <laughs> you know out about um so yeah i i it's the it's going to be interesting going forward but i i'm excited for it before I, we get to the plugs the two things i do want to say is is i i do i agree with money as well and i've been saying it on every podcast we talk about san diego comic-con i think San Diego Comic-Con at home should always be a thing. I think they should have WonderCon, Comic-Con, and Comic-Con at home. You know, a lot of people had a lot of negative things to say. I still think it did great for the little bit of time that they had. There were some things that they probably could have changed, but I really love the fact I got to do my panel, and um, it was a great panel. Um, I think having a virtual thing is a very, very big deal, and also the accessibility. Like Now my parents can finally see what I do at Comic-Con every year. For the past five years, we've had unnecessary debates there, and it's been great. And now they can finally see me be the worst moderator of all time, and it's fantastic. There, there, there's that, and I also just think that, like, I don't want things to get rushed when once they're like, okay, cons can come back. I don't want, like, every con to be like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going back full force. Like, yeah, we're going to let everybody in. I really think, and I hope, things start slowing out and they have a hybrid thing and then until we get back to normal those are two things i want to say uh now you guys have been unbelievable thank you so much for being here so much for your time and everything you all look amazing you know even though we're in a quarantine and everything's i mean those 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 uh like lashes the right word for hair i can't remember anymore um (laughs) as long as my hair's ever been locks those locks are just gorgeous hannibal you're just throwing them around (laughs) um i got my weave done just for this podcast (laughs) jeremy's got his perm and everybody looks great um but um yeah where can they find you guys and i'll I'll start with the original order of hannibal money um kayla malcolm and jeremy so hannibal where can they find everything about you all right, well, uh, I can be found at HannibalTaboo.com. That's my uh, central hub for my work. Uh, there are weekly web comics, uh, most Wednesdays at Operative.net. My reviews are on BleedingCool.com, uh, mostly Thursdays throughout the weekends. They publish them like, like Scattershot. Uh, I'm on the iHeartRadio podcast, uh, Nerdorama with Mo and Tuala, Wednesday mornings with those same set of reviews, The Bipile. And on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, Plurk, Beams of sunlight from the universe and that napkin in your mom's purse. I could be found at, at Hannibal Taboo. H A N N I B is in bounce A L T A B U. Almost forgot how to spell my own name. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Money. 
Um, I'm at Moni Bear, M-O-N-I-B-A-R-R-E, I remembered, <laughs> across the board, but my, my shit is boring. What you want to find is Creators Assemble, creatorsassemble.org. Um, and right now, the biggest thing, I mean, we've got a ton coming up, including I want to do some stuff with cosplayers for October. So that's something. But um, we have an ebook that is 100% pro proceeds to two different local San Diego charities, um, the San Diego African American Arts Museum and the LGBT Arts Alliance. Um, so the ebook is actually mostly aspiring writers and illustrators, but there is some original work from Tony Parker, Cena Grace. And then we have some stuff from Ezra Clayton Daniels. Don Nguyen, who you had on last week, um, was also in the book as well. Yeah, great guy. So um, please check out our ebook, All of Those Proceeds to Charity. And then another little thing that I do is a horror, pop culture, true crime kind of podcast. It is the Creepin' It Real show. And we have the love-hate relationship with Facebook, but that's the best place to find us is Creepin' It Real show on Facebook. Perfect. All right. And uh, I forgot the order. Kayla. Sorry. Yes. Um, yes, I am Kayla. I'm from the Core Dance Crew, so you can find us thecoredancecrew.com. Core is spelled C-O-R-P-S. We are not corpse. We are not dead bodies. But it's now <laughs> core. The P-S is silent. All of our information is there. We are also on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and something else. But I don't remember because Sammy's not here and she's a director of operations. Um, YouTube is a big thing. We have our YouTube channel. That's all of our performances on there. We do have weekly shows. I actually host a weekly show on that channel called Beyond the Northern Wall. It is a talk show where I talk about things core. So I'll give insight and um, background. We talk about nerdy, wonderful things. And we'll have guests on there for Coresman. Um, we also are working, uh, I do want to plug that in September, October, we are coming out with something brand new. We are doing a special project with John Robert Hall. He played Fierro on the Broadway National Tour of Wicked, and he's also been on Glee and everything. So we're working with him on this. And uh, my sister, Tiffany Raymolar, who's also on Wicked, um, we're doing a really big project. So follow us on Instagram and Facebook and hit us up on the Core Dance Crew. All the information is going to be on there. Sounds amazing. And Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm, the gentleman game master. If you want to kind of follow me to see the kind of my, me share my passion for this game and for role playing, it's uh, gentleman underscore game master on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you're looking to see what I'm like as a DM in action, that's on YouTube under gentleman game master, uh, as well as if you actually want to play with us or play with my group, it's the D&D experience point on meetup.com. Uh, and uh, if you want to see what the hybrid child of what role playing or D&D &D and car enthusiast looks like, Instagram, the run rally, uh, the run rally, all one word. Absolutely. So, yep. <laughs> and uh, Jeremy, the, uh, our main man. So I um, I primarily work on meetup now, uh, the tabletop takeovers meetup group that's based out of Anaheim. That was my previous uh, home base is where most of my events are posted. If you are listening and you are on the East Coast, uh, Maine Games is the meetup group that I have created out here to uh, cater to more uh, local players. Um, you can find me on Instagram, D20 Adventure Realm. You can find me on Facebook under the same. Uh, though, again, I, 
my Instagram has been dead uh, for quite some time. I don't know if I'm going to reactivate and post anything for quite some time on that. Um, so Facebook is the best place and, for updates. Yeah, Facebook for communication and then uh, meet up for finding out when the next sessions are coming up. And it, while they fill up super fast, I will say that spectators are always welcome. And feel free to drop in and hang out after the game. Uh, like Malcolm was saying, you know, usually the players are hanging out for 30 minutes or more. We're just kind of chatting. Um, definitely feel free to drop in and, and hang out, watch the game, get a feel for what's going on and uh, meet the players and, and learn about the story. Uh, we're, we're always, we're always eager to, to have new, uh, new people come in and, and enjoy, you know, the hobby. Um, and it's it's been really great uh, to be able to connect with uh, and stay connected with a, a lot of uh, people virtually, at least for my uh, end. So absolutely, yep. and we'll have another and uh, hopefully a new episode of a grand history lesson very soon with Jeff. So, oh, so yeah, I hope so. We're, we're not working. Tease it yet. We're working on it. <laughs> um, and um, all the links for all all this all of our guests' stuff is going to be in the article for this as well. So thank you guys for being here, and thank you listeners for listening in. You can check out all of our shows and offering on thegrandgeekgathering.com. You can find all of our podcasts on all podcast apps, and you can also find us on Amazon now. Uh, that's, that's, that's cool, I guess. I mean... <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you know, uh, it's cool. You know, shop local. Um, we, we were also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, you can catch me streaming on Twitch. So excited for all this stuff, and thank you guys for being here one more time. And... Uh, I can't wait to just like just shake hands with people again. It's just gonna be like the greatest feeling in the world. Be like, I can do this now. I know. Yeah, no, the elbow. It's just <laughs> Wakanda forever. Wakanda. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I like, I, like, I, like the, I like the foot tap as well. But yeah. But anyways, uh, our music has has been provided by Midnight Shinigami. Have a wonderful week. Wear a mask. Stay safe. And GGG. Grand Geek Gathering